Good day, and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jaron Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing pretty well, aside from trying to educate my wife on how to use an Android phone as she sits here <laughs> looking out over my shoulder trying to figure out what my password is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good, man. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, I had to cut my trip out to San early to get back home, take care of stuff at the house, but getting that taken care of, getting ready to head out to, to your neck of the woods uh, here in a few days um, for EDE. Um, and then, you know, happy to talk with our, our guest this week. It's been just under a year since we last talked to him. Um, but today we have, uh, Kevin Goodman, you know, CEO, one of the founders of FS Logic. So we're going to have a talk with him. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys, gentlemen? Glad. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Happy to have you back on again. Um, we, you know, I was at Synergy. Uh, Andy had a fun reason why he wasn't at Synergy. Um, I don't but, want to talk about that. <laughs> so we won't, we'll miss that. We won't talk about that today. But uh, Mystery S Energy was over at the booth. Your booth seemed pretty busy. Um, and also congrats, too, on your guys' um, new release. And we'll, we'll talk about that new release announcements here in a bit. Okay. Yeah. So you can imagine uh, with such a big release, and we'll go into it, there must have been something wrong with me to not make that show and uh, I think I tweeted it out, but uh, I've been people have known me, seen me in bright forums and others since I've been walking around with a boot on my left foot for since summit, and then finally went in and had my surgery on my ankle there to uh, heal up that problem with my Achilles tendonitis. So I I was not at Synergy last week, so I um, I'm sorry I missed it, but uh, I heard it turned out well. Yeah, it, it was pretty well. Um, I spent some some good time at the booth with uh, with Brad and Dave and, and Robert as well. So you, you guys had a lot of good traffic. I actually played booth babe for a little bit for you guys, and uh, but you guys had some good traffic there and and a great turnout at the event for you guys. So yeah, um, it was it was a great event. So we won Citrix um, uh, Synergy's Best of Show for Application Virtualization back in 2015 in Orlando. Yet this show, we had almost three times as many people come by the booth. So um, I don't know if that speaks to Vegas or if it speaks to that maybe people have heard of FS Logics now, or it just gives us some indication of the issues people are having with uh, Office 365 and, and wanted to see our solution. Um, but uh, yeah, by all accounts, it was a great show for us. That's uh, super news. I mean, um, as I, I couldn't make it either, but I mean, lo- thankfully you, you briefed me on Flux kind of before you left, and I was I was blown away in what you were doing. I'm not surprised about the boot traffic. I think uh, the, the the award you guys got last year was well justified. You know, I mean, you guys were quiet, but you were very, very um, you were very, you were innovating away, and you know the the solution that you come out at the back of it is is great. So I'm I'm, I'm delighted to hear that everything went well for you, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> Yeah, I've been testing it and early and stuff, and we actually, um, I was talking with the team earlier, getting a demo and an interview um, recorded with them for a blog post about the post on it. Um, but yeah, I've been testing it. It, it uh, worked really well. Um, it's going to help people with the, one of the, you know, the biggest hurdles, especially going to Office 365, and that's going to be the OST cache and, and the search and, and so forth. But let's um, talk more about that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about more of that later. So before I go too deep into that, you know, congrats on the new Flux release. Kind of tell us about that release, Kevin. Yeah, so Flux was a code name for a, um, a product that when we uh, 
announced it at Synergy. We're calling it the Office 365 container for Citrix. And its idea is, and uh, so we announced our profile containers uh, last year, and that's probably what won us best of Synergy. And the idea that we have with our containers is they're really VHDs sitting up on a SIF share somewhere, some network-attachable storage. And um, we connect them in to your user's profile at the time they log in. And then FS and FS uh, logic stands for file systems. Um, Randy Cook and team go in there and they take a block level um, approach to transferring the data back and across um, as opposed to how SMB works with a file based uh, protocol to send things back and forth. Um, of course, it's a little bit more to that. We get some fault tolerance and we have uh, some stuff to speed up and some caching in there. But the, the idea behind it is um, big files or chatty files and things like that that want to go back and cross a folder redirection really cause performance issues and a lot of times cause integrity issues. Uh, anyone who's tried to do uh, Outlook and use an OST up on a uh, redirected folder will tell you they can corrupt it quite frequently due to timeouts and everything like that. So our, our profile containers last year, they also support Office 65. But over the year, what we found out is we talked to a lot of customers that said, holy cow, I just spent you know nine months implementing UPM and getting converted over from Roman profits. I really don't want to go to my boss and say, Hey, yeah, that was nine months of fun. Can we rip all that out and put FS Logics in there? What I really want you to do is help me with my Office 365 stuff. So we sat down and said, is there a way for us to make a container, same theory, and get it to sit on top of existing profile solutions, whether that be roaming profiles or um, UPM or, quite frankly, or, you know, a couple of the big guys or that we all know their names, Res, AppSense, or excuse me, Landesk. And, um, uh -huh. uh, you know, they have these issues. They'll probably come up with, we'll talk about Landesk, I'm sure, later, Andy. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, they probably will come up with a solution in due time. But between now and then, why don't we just solve people's uh, Office 365 problems? Office is, 365 is catching on like wildfire. It's all anyone talks about. And I, I presume that's why we had so many people come by the booth. They have to try to figure out an answer for this. And what people don't realize, right, is um, you have to be in cached exchange mode to use Outlook. And uh, Jarin, you can probably give a better description than I can. But basically what it means is you need an OST file, an offline file with your, um, your mail in it in order to not put strain on the on microsoft.com um, servers up in the cloud well there's that ost file again you know where do you put it redirected folders what do you do with it and so that was the first problem we saw but office 365 in general sticks a lot of stuff in updata local it sticks a lot of stuff in hq local machine and in general, unlike non-persistent VDI, just doesn't roam from machine to machine quickly. What will happen is each time you log in, if you're a non-persistent VDI, you'll resync down your global address list. You'll have to redo stuff with your 
licensing, you know, you'll eventually get it working. But who wants to do that in a, um, you know, if your non-persistent desktop is your work desktop? I hear you. I, I think it's wonderful. So the, you mentioned earlier on Office 365 is popping up everywhere, and you could not be more correct in that regard. And it's been a very hot topic for me for the last 18 months um, where customers have gone with VDI or server-based computing, big environments. Uh, most of my customers run, run RES, and um, all of a sudden now they can't really do much about those mailboxes because online mode to, to the Office 365 cloud does not behave all that well you know so um yeah i've been down this road with customers i you know a lot, one customer in particular deployed six thousand mailboxes on site after migrating from lotus notes you can imagine how well that went down and uh, um, yeah. yeah it's been a it's been a real real pain you know and when obviously when i heard that you guys were working on something in the background it was, it was like trying to hold the tide back from a customer point of view going wait for it Wait for it. It's coming. Wait for it. <laughs> They're going to do something cool. Just watch Synergy. Don't buy anything. Come on now. You know, and then bang, you came out with Flux. So, I mean, the idea of being able to separate out that OST and PST and, you know, map it as a single file. Yes, it's running off the file system, but it's not like a standard SMB nightmare protocol going on in the background. But one thing you did touch on, which kind of, the when we had our call previously that you kind of blew my mind with was, it's not... It, doesn't necessarily need to just be that OST file, you know, OneDrive data, you know, or Lotus Notes data, um, you know, share file data if you don't want to use Selective Sync. That, the ability to take a, you know, a containerized little portion there and, and stick it somewhere that, that can be, you know, ma- mapped to and quickly accessed is phenomenal. So, yeah, kudos and good job. <laughs> yeah. So, go ahead, uh, go ahead Jorn. I would say I definitely agree with, with, with Andy on that, you know. First of all, you know, a big key thing here is that if you're an FS Objects customer, you get this. But if you're not a customer and you need this fix, you're not saying, hey, rip and replace what you, you know, currently have. We're going to just be able to add that on and provide value there. So, you know, very key thing there, which is a great thing that you guys did with that. And then, two, you know, like Andy was saying, you know, your, your Outlook Cache, your Lotus Notes, your licensing, Skype for Business, all that stuff, you know, we can put in those data containers and the Flux features. Um but also, too, you know, getting away from, you know, some of those things out there like redirecting application data, which, you know, is going to kill your file server, you know, not have you have a good uh, user experience. The same thing with, you know, just redirecting, you know, the OST file to a share like some guys recommend doing. Um, but you're usually you're actually really improving and getting past that issue with user experience. I know that like Sean, Helg and, and Aaron, they all did a session about redirecting app data and just showed some of the search issues that happen when doing that as well. So, again, you guys are really, you know, increasing the, the file server um, capacity and longevity and while also um, keeping the user experience um, where it needs to be. So you mentioned search. That was another thing we sat down and said, wow, if we have an OST file locally, would we still want to use the online search? That doesn't make sense. Why don't we use search locally? Well, uh, I remember the first article I saw up on Google on best practices was yours, Jarian, which said, turn indexing off, right? And so um, that was the practice back in the day, especially when IOPS were expensive. But the first thing we did is said, well, we're going to need search as well, especially of OST local. So what's in um, Office 365 containers for Citrix is if you're on Zen Desktop, 
And, you know, what you can imagine, we're going to have one for View Horizon as well very shortly. Um, and I'll explain the differences in a second. But it is also redirecting your search index into that container. So you can turn indexing back on, index both files and uh, Outlook or, or whatever any other program wants to set himself into that index. And it will be stored inside your container. So on non-persistent VDI, when you connect in the next time, it's going to be right there waiting for you, already indexed and ready to go. And we think that's one of the big key features that's going to make. So sure, you have to have an OST local, um, but if it still takes um, seven minutes to search for something, you really haven't gained a whole lot. What you need is, a, you know, a, a sub-second searches on your OST file, like you get if you have a, a you know, a laptop and stuff like that. Um, so, and again, that's for VDI. It's uh, um, not, there's nothing in ZenApp or RDSH for um, indexing in this release, but that's all I could probably say about that. It is in for VDI. So Windows 7, 8, or 10. Dan, that 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 that's that's a killer feature right there. I mean, the, the ability for you to be able to re-enable the, the the functionality of search, being able to type in your query and get responses back quickly. You know, file system, Outlook, all the rest. You know, it's a, it's a very it's a very useful um, piece of functionality. I'll, I'll give you an anecdote actually on that one. Um, so, customer again migrating from Lotus Notes to Office three six five, um, re-enabled search because he wanted that functionality to work, and he was using provisioning services, caching RAM, overflow to disk, and next thing he knew he was he had rolling blue screens across his entire environment and couldn't figure out why that was uh, the search indexer was eating up so much disk and creating so much io that was causing the disk to overflow entirely taking the environments offline so the, the best practice was there for a very good reason but obviously with a with a solution like this you're, you're removing that that fear and and um uh, risk of uh, of having servers go offline. Now, I know you said today it's not there for server-based computing, but I'm sure it's coming soon. So uh, that's my anecdote. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, um, uh, you know, if you were there at the Windows 10 launch, you heard Microsoft talk about, oh, there's that 750 million corporate Windows 7 licenses out there, either on physical or um, um, laptops and, and uh, workstations. And another at least a quarter of a billion Windows 8 and, and who knows, XP and stuff like that. And you wonder with everything like the three of us know and all your audience knows about server-based computing and VDI, why haven't they converted? And it's the little things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To hop off your laptop and hover, hop off to this desktop you can get from anywhere, but you don't get search. Sorry. Um, and... Um, for your Office 365, it's going to be like seven minutes before you can use it after you log in. And, uh, you know, it's the little things like that that keep people from going to a technology like Citrix. And so when we sit down and we think about that, um, you know, what we want is those 700, not only all the Citrix customers they have today, but the 750 million customers we're going to make for Citrix tomorrow Um and, uh, you know, they're going to pay uh, uh, FS Logics the, the privilege of getting them in there along the way. And, uh, you know, when I when I talk to my co-founder, Randy Cook, he's, you know, here's what's coming next, Kevin. Here's what's coming next. People want off of those laptops and desktops, but they want equivalent functionality when they get off of them. So 
Um, you know, it's pretty easy to, 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 to think what they're going to need next. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Serge. Don't hold me to a date on that one. That is very, very hard to do. Heck, the patent on it is going to be the size of a phone book. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, don't hold me on it. And I'm not discussing any algorithms at this point in time, nor offering it for sale. So, uh, <laughs> Good um, man. Yeah. So you, you kind of spoke a little bit to, you know, what's next and stuff. And so, you know, you're doing this stuff to help with the user experience and solve that uh, the Office 365 and, and the search and those type of things. So what else is kind of next on the radar for FS Logics? Once you kind of complete this phase, you know, what's kind of next up? Yeah, guys? so if you think about it, you know, by deliberately calling this the Office 365 container for Citrix, what you're going to find out and those people who um, – who install it are going to find out it was meant to be pretty simple if you're on Zen App or Zen Desktop to get it up and running. Heck, if you use UPM, you're going to recognize the um, you know very familiar way that we're doing the GPOs and things like that. It should be simple for you to configure this. Um, but really, all it really is is a data container. This one has a specific name on it because it comes pre-configured. So it's an Office 365 data container. Uh, what's next on the radar? Generic data containers, right? Box, Dropbox. How about your internal IT chatty app? Um, Lotus Notes. Uh, how about SAP GUI with the, you know, all the writing it does back and forth um, uh, of stuff that was normally stuck in AppData Local. Uh, a lot of these guys can't roam because they're not in AppData Local. So they, you know, right now, um, as far as I know, you can't do things like Dropbox on non-persistent VDI without resyncing every single time you come along. I know Dropbox has said they're figured out a way so you, you won't sync the file until you actually use it. I got a better idea. How about having the, uh, the file there immediately um, whenever you need it? So that, that's probably the next thing you're going to see out of us, these generic data containers. And we'll make them just like we make the FS Logics apps for all your applications. You know, um, we'll go out, find the application, we'll find out where it stores its data, and then we'll just wrap a container around it, make it really easy for you and your um, uh, organization to get that up and running. And again, do it in such a way so that if you have UPM, you can keep UPM. Yeah, no, uh, you, the, the 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 containers you mentioned for for Dropbox and stuff is is a is a key one as well. I mean, think Dropbox, think OneDrive. I know ShareFile has its on-demand sync thing, but to be honest, it doesn't work all that well in the sense that you can't search the file's contents until you actually access them. You know, it only syncs them when you actually go looking for them. It's not ideal, I suppose. With with your generic containers, what you're doing is and the combination of your search feature as well, you're going to allow them to have instant access to those files, indexing, searching, and and everything on demand. So I think it's a it's a real game changer. I think you guys are, are out there on your own and doing this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, kudos to you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do next. So, and all those uh, existing FS Logics customers, we're on over 100,000 seats now. Uh, the existing FS Logics customers are also um, using the Office 365 container and they're excited about the generic data container. Why? In most cases, this is data that can be regenerated. So why back up your profile? Why spend the time to back up your profile and back up a two gig OST file? When let's face it, if that file got corrupted, you'd just go back to Exchange and generate it. It would take a little bit of time, but um, why pay the money for that storage to back it up? And why take the time 
uh, to actually back it up. So one of the side benefits for having these containers is actually stored outside the profile. And therefore, if it's da data such as um, files that can be synced or um, um, mail that can be regenerated or, you know, things like, uh, you know, your internal apps, um, cache that you can regenerate. Why store that in the profile? Make your profile a little bit smaller so it doesn't cost as much to back up or doesn't take as much time. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point too as well because if you're doing something like running profiles or even if you're doing profile management and you're not excluding that OST file, now you're not taking that long time to sync back or write back because it's outside the profile um, inside that container. Um, so, you know, speaking of what's next too as well, you guys are kind of been expanding. Um, met some new team members at, at Brightform in London, um, you know, along with got to meet, meet Dave as well. So um, kind of tell us about some of your newest team members at FS Logics. Okay. All right. So you mentioned Dave, so I'll start with him. Dave uh, Young uh, comes to us from VMware. Uh, Dave and I worked very, very close together when we were at VMware and um, got to the point where we're on the road so much we could finish each other's sentences so, um, and where he was like super SE there in the circle of excellence, um, he is the been the product manager on um, the uh, Office 365 container, and he's the one who who did all that beta work. He's the one that signed up guys like you. Uh, it's been um, such a pleasure to have him on the team, and so much fun working with him as well. It was great to have him back on board. Um, one person you didn't see there who is um, now our director of EMEA is uh, Michelle Groot. Um, lots of guys who remember Michelle from the Bryform days, um, but he went off and uh, he's also doing some work for Dell. And then most recently he was at Res. And, um, you know, no surprise to anybody who's probably listening on this call. We just rotate amongst each other, this server-based uh, computing industry is is so incestuous and um, you know you work at a place for a while and you go get a change of pace or you go come in from out of the cold or um, Citrix guys work at VMware and VMware work at Citrix now and uh, uh, we are really happy to have him on board. I've known him for years and have always wanted to work with him and just got lucky enough to be able to convince him to come on our team. Yeah, no, I, I know. I know Michael from, um, or not Michael. Sorry, uh, I know Michael from uh, from from RES, and he's a he's a lovely guy. Um, I, I I only really got to bump into him last year, but I'd known him for so long from his work in Dell and uh, on his blogs and on RES as well. You know, so I was I was tickled pink to see he um, he joined um, the the scrappy bunch of underdogs that is FS Logics, and I really look forward to to seeing what um, what you guys uh, do going forward. So, uh, congrats on your new hires, and I, I hope. Everything marches well for you. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I second that as well because I've, I've followed him, you know, through social media and, and stuff through the years and stuff, and finally was able to meet him at Brightform London. Um, and so, you know, congrats to the additions, and hopefully your team keeps keep expanding and you guys keep doing what you guys are doing. So, yeah, I, you know what? Next time we talk, there's probably going to be a few more people whose names you recognize will be on board. We're we are in the process of expanding, uh, having some interviews now, um, and uh, nothing to announce at this point. But uh, you know, we 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 got a lot of work to do, and we need people to do it. 
Super, 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 super. So, I mean, um, talking about your, you know, your customers, you've mentioned your customers a couple of times, but I mean, you know, to, to date, you know, what, what have been the biggest barriers that your customers are facing or the kind of misnomers that, that, that they're seeing that, that FS Logics are, are hoping to, 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 to hurdle and, and move forward with? So, I would say the first thing, and it's like any other startup, and this this happens all the time. Okay, so it would be what I call awareness. Um, you know, he's been with us since the beginning, so I didn't get a chance to call him out. But we have Brad Roland doing our marketing for us, and he's an ex-Semantic, running all of Semantic's marketing at one point. Um, he's a, also a part owner of the company. He is doing a wonderful job of getting our message out there. Uh, we just don't get the awareness that we need though. Like we'll, we'll see where somebody bought a competitor's product and, and we will ask ourselves, well, did we get a chance to demo in there? No. Well, they were a government entity. You would think they would want at least three bidders. They would have gotten us, even if they wanted that other product and not us, they would have asked us about, you know, submitting a bid just so they could say they had, you know, three bids. Um, so I reached out and talked to them. Turns out it's a guy I went to high school with. Okay. <laughs> and he goes, I'm sorry. I didn't know you guys existed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, great. All right. So keep doing what you're doing, but do it more and get out there more and stuff like that. That would, I say, is the number one thing we try to overcome. And it's true with a lot of startups. Um, the second one is um, – for lack of a better term, I'll call it licensing, okay? So we were in Microsoft's BizSpark Startup Accelerator. You know, they looked at our business plan and accepted us into that. Um, for Windows two, Server 2016, Microsoft signs our driver. By the way, I, I don't know if you know that anymore. You can't get a third party to sign your file system filter driver in 2016. You can apply for um, extensions, but eventually, only drivers signed by Microsoft will load in 2016. Uh, to get there, you go to this conference called PlugFest. They test your stuff for a bunch of um, tests that they do, and you either pass, fail. You pass, um, then they'll work with you to sign your driver so you can um, go in 2016. This is replacing the old logo support in some ways. Remember, we had the logo or uh, consumer products, so you knew it was genuine Windows product. This is going to be for 2000, server 2016, a genuine Windows certified driver. But a lot of times we'll be at a customer site and they'll go, um, does Microsoft know what you're doing and do they approve? Just, well, I, I know they know what we're doing because of the amount of telling about the blood fest stuff. Could you get a letter in writing that says this is legal? <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who to get that from. Could you perhaps maybe show me the letter they wrote in writing that Citrix is legal? Um, well, no, they were Citrix's partner of the year. Well, we're not partner of the year, but we're a partner. I could show you the link on the website. Here it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that is, and so uh, there are these uh, software asset management SAM partners out there and, 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 uh, we have uh, reached out to a couple of them. We've passed a Microsoft audit. Um, we've passed several self-audits that the SAM partners do for their customers and stuff like that. But I would say that question comes up every single time. You know, does Microsoft 
uh, can you get a letter from Microsoft approving what you're doing? And um, I, um, I actually made my way to the guy who's in charge of um, that stuff. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. We don't, uh, we don't endorse any third party, but thank you for calling. Huh. Dear Mr. Customer, can I, or, sorry, Mr. Microsoft, can I have that in writing? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great if there was a guy who put that out there and, 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 and wrote letters. But if he did it for us, he'd have to do it for everybody. And so he doesn't do it for anybody. And, uh, gotcha. And I, I think you, argue, you said SAM certification in there? Yeah. I know that's one that Andy likes to talk about every now and then about making sure, especially from a licensing uh, aspect. So SAM certification is hard, man. It all boils down to this whole you know, what are you licensed for? What aren't you licensed for? Like you, uh, Visio and Project are the ones that crop up all the time. As in, if you're using RES or you're using AppSense and you have Visio or Project installed on the server, but you're masking it, um, are, do you have to pay for the license for everybody connecting to that server? Normally, yes, you do. And if Microsoft come in and audit you it's, and they're particularly strict about it, it yes. Is, so we, here, here's how we pass that on. It is device-based. Right. And but what people think is it's the machine you're on. No, it's the device you're connecting with. So if you say to yourselves internally, I have this, um, you know, this many devices and I'm only licensed to use Visio or project on premises, then what you can do is set up FSLogic's rules to say if they come in from outside that firewall, then they won't see the product. Um, it is. um follows the exact same, but maybe with some better performance, uh, logic that AppLocker does. So if you put AppLocker in audit mode and you look to see if this user has access to Visio when they're inside the firewall and they connect up, they do. If you look to see when they're outside the firewall and they connect up, then they don't, then you pass the audit. If you connect up with an iPad from home and you get your hands on Visio, you owe money for that iPad, that device. That's the device you'd owe a license for. And if your Microsoft agreement said on-premises only, then you got some splaining to do, as they say. Gosh, you know? So you guys so you guys passed the SAM certification? Um, we have been internally audited, and we have one customer who was audited by Microsoft, but that customer who was audited by Microsoft um, had uh, in their EA the ability to connect up they they had paid for their um, what do you call it VDA, yeah, yeah. So they, we were we actually in that particular case weren't counting VDA or if it's VDA or if it's not VDA, uh, any of that stuff. But yeah, we passed a Microsoft audit. Um, I know a guy from Microsoft. I won't say his name. He's in sales, and what he does is if he's running short in a quarter, he'll go pick a companies a couple of companies that haven't bought from for a while and they'll audit them. And inevitably, yeah. <laughs> he'll find 400K to make up the deficit in his quarter. And then guess what? He'll sell them off as 365. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't agree more. No, and uh, kudos on, on that uh, on that audit. I know how difficult it is to pass a SAM audit. I've been there with, with reputable companies who have who claim that they have successfully passed these audits and had them fail on site. So I think it's a it's a big, big achievement that you need to be singing more that you have actually done this. So um, uh, consequently, any of our listeners, if you're currently running Visio or a project on a presentation server where users can access it, um, that you haven't licensed for, you might want to start talking to somebody who's SAM certified because if they get you, they'll get you. 
Yeah, so um, what the thing is, too, the, important to note that so the, the guy who's in charge of Sam told me they don't certify vendors. They only certify the partners. So we have several partners that have done these audits, not um, FS Logics ourselves. We are not SAM certified, um, uh, but they, we instead partners get SAM certified. So, and right. several of our partners are SAM certified, and we sell through them. Super. So it's doable anyway is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, just don't call me to do your audit. That's all I'm, I guess I'm saying. <laughs> Very good, very good. Um, okay, so um, you know, uh, I haven't spoken about the kind of misnomers. I mean, what, have you any thoughts yourself on kind of integration or partnering with, with, with other products that, uh, as it stands today? Uh, actually, we have some informal things going on that maybe we'll formalize because it's working so well. There's a company out of Germany called Device Trust. I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, but it dovetails nicely in what we were just talking about. So we know the client IP address. Um, and, and or um, uh, wants to put in the registry or in the environment variables, and that's what we can trigger off of. So imagine here's what Device Trust does: it floods the environment variables with like a thousand other metrics. So when we're working with Device Trust and you leave a certain Wi-Fi, it will update the. Um, environment variable settings in real time and will at that point can trigger a rule and we can turn off an app. So if, if you're in the PCI compliant area, you can have this app. If you're not in the PCI compliant area, you can't have this app. That, um, uh, that partnership works for people who are uh, in highly regulated industries and need more than just learning whether the client IP address, you know, what you should be triggering off of. Uh, that's one of them. But, uh, um, you know, in general, uh, you know, some of these bigger customers that are out there, I, I can imagine, you know, needing some of our stuff. We're willing to work with uh, all of them. Uh, you know, we just, want, we just want our container on every desktop that has Office 365. That's all. That's a completely reasonable want, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> and to be and as I said already, you really don't have any competition here, so it's a it's a free for all in that regard. Um, so no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now we can get to kind of uh, our hold about the Landis uh, absence thing. So you know, the market as a whole, you know, we're seeing vendors being looked at, vendors getting picked up by other companies. So what are your thoughts on the market? And, you know, with Absence being acquired by Landesk, who do you think is on deck now to be acquired? Yeah, so um, I, you guys may differ, uh, you know, choose to disagree with me, but I think the Absence acquisition is actually going to slow down things. So, um, you know, I've, I've admired Absence for afar for a long time. They had close to you know 100 million dollars in sales and um their marketing you know it used to all us small guys we do feature dumps oh look at all these features we have they're better than the features of our competition or and this six features nobody else has and absent switch to that like really satisfied user um looking out the window of a corner office and what it told me was they weren't marketing to um, system administrators anymore. 
stock when they went public. So they must have been really close to getting an IPO. Um, but then they didn't. And then then they had some turmoil with their CEOs changing over and then new guys coming in. And, um, I, you know, I read about it on Brian Madden's blog. He, he was wondering if uh, the new guy at Citrix was doing the same thing that the guy leading AppSets was doing, just carving it up and, and sending it out for a sale. So keep in mind, I've been pretty busy down on Flux. I haven't paid too much attention to this, though not sure what Lindex plans are do know that they got smart people running it um so um, you know i'm guessing they're going to figure it out I, I could potentially see things slowing down you know after the absence acquisition because you know i think you know rise is probably too big for someone to to go and, and take a bite out of unless it's someone like microsoft something like that um i could potentially see citrix doing something possibly in the space or an up-and-coming player to kind of fill the gap that the workspace is, is leaving with, with the announcement of VMware, you know, Dell no longer going to be doing the workspace because of the whole EMC VMware acquisition type thing. What are your thoughts, Andy? Uh, yeah, see, the, I think the challenge is, um, I think you're being a little coy there with Citrix. I think Citrix are going to do something. I think it's the writings on the wall and it's only a matter of time now. But um, the, the issue is VMware created a checkbox that everybody else in the industry now needs to live up to. Um, and once, they've, uh, once the other vendors start to get pushback about this checkbox that VMware has, and it's, uh, in my opinion, it's a justifiable checkbox. I mean, um, what RES does and AppSense does and everything else does uh, from, a, from a, you know, an overarching user profile management and user environment management point of view, um, it, it's, 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 it's a worthwhile component for, for enterprise deployments. It can add time to the deployment, but it's there, you know, and it's good. So I, I think there is, there's definitely going to be some, some acquisition news from, from a major vendor, I'd, I'd say, before the end of the year would be my, would be my opinion. You know, uh, people ask us it all the time. I'll be in talking to a customer. They're trying to make two years plans, and they said, hey, you know, we'd like to do business with you, but I'm worried you're going to be acquired by Citrix in a couple, three, four months. Um, this is what I tell them, and let me say the whole thing all the way through before you comment. And what I tell them is I – I didn't start this company to get acquired by Citrix. I want to be the next Citrix. Come on. What I mean, what I mean by that is Citrix for the last 25 years has gotten to be a three, $4 billion a year company making Microsoft software enterprise ready. And I think there is a need in this marketplace for other companies to go out there and do the same thing in the next 25 years. Now, I'm not saying we're going to do it protocol or anything else like that but take a look at where azure is and if we want to get those 750 million physical desktops and and, um, laptops over to azure what's it going to take so that's the reference point that i start from what is it going to take to get all those people over and onto the cloud where they belong i mean i'm staring at my laptop right now i got a lenovo yoga and it's one of the top of the line. And after we finish Skyping here, what's going to happen? After we finish Skyping, what's going to happen? I'm going to close it, and it's going to become unavailable to everybody, right, until I open it back up. And if that is to happen, then that's just a huge waste of resources. Why wouldn't I want to do something where I could share those resources across three ships? Why wouldn't I want to share that RAM and, and – uh, all that graphical power across three ships. It's just 
too difficult for today's internal shops. The moment you buy a PC, it's obsolete. Why would you do that? You should rent anything that goes obsolete like that. And I think that's the way we're going. But the problem is it's been too hard to get there. It's been disgustingly hard to get there. How many VDI implementations you know are still in pilots? You know, sure, we're doing a lot of Citrix, but we're doing, there's a lot more we could be doing. And those are both good points because it's funny because every time I hear the uh, FS Logic acquisition rumors, I I send Kevin an email and I I always get that that same thing back from him. I don't want to be acquired. You know, I want to be the next Citrix and, you know, in the same thing. So, you know, when Kevin says that, he means it. That's basically the same answer you get from him every time in that, uh, you know, to that question. Um, and it's a, it's a great it's a great it's a great message back it's a, it's a it's it's um it's it's a great kind of mission statement for the company going forward and it's great peace of mind as well for the customers who are who are looking at FS Logics and moving forward that you know um, Kevin and, and his team are here to stay um, so uh, it's uh, it's definitely a it's definitely a big one I mean but I mean obviously the, the big partner the big partner news this this week and last week were situ- well, hold on a second wait wait one Sorry. second. He kind of. I'm gonna. I'm gonna flip the script here on this one. I'm gonna swap that, you know, to our last question, because Kevin kind of touched on something, on in his answer to the the um, acquisition question, and that was about, you know, cloud. So, FS Logics and the way they're architected is truly cr- cloud ready. You know, we're seeing Unidesk, you know, rearchitect their stuff to be to be cloud ready. You know, Citrix has a problem today with App Disk because of the way it uh, the level it's at of being cr- cloud ready. So when he, when he talks about, you know, moving stuff to the cloud and, 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 and being cloud ready, you know, the, you guys are already there. So my, my question is, have you guys have any customers do, you know, cloud deployments with FS Logics? Oh, absolutely. So uh, I would say it is um, maybe 15% now um, are, of our customers are monthly going through some type of managed service provider, cloud hosting provider, whatever you want to call the guys, um, uh, and get their desktops off of the cloud. And those managing uh, service providers uh, are hosted in a variety of places, Azure, Rackspace, um, and uh, Amazon. And uh, one in particular is hosting QuickBooks, you know, one of those uh, Intuit online hosting providers. The only difference between our customer and the rest of them is they've managed with FS Logics to get all the versions of QuickBooks onto one image. Consequently, they only spin up new images. This is a, a RDSH a customer. They only spin up new images when that server's overloaded uh, due to number of users on it, where they used to have a QuickBooks 2014 server. That was because they had SLAs, had to be available. QuickBooks 2015 server, you know, a QuickBooks 2013 server. They'd look, the 15 servers are overloaded, and there's nobody sitting there on the 2013 server. But they're, you know, paying for it. Well, they're paying Rackspace for it, too, as well. So, um, yeah, and um, uh, I had told... Um, our board of directors, I think it was about a year ago that I said, oh, by the beginning of 2017, half of our people will be on the cloud. I think I was optimistic about that. It's probably going to be a quarter of the people will be uh, cloud hosted. Um, but it, the numbers increase each quarter. 
Fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that, that's very true. I mean, and as you mentioned yourself, the the, the ability to to run kind of iron all times uh, throughout, you know, the three shifts across the globe and ha- have it hot all the time. Nobody can nobody can do that uh, as cost efficiently as a cloud hoster. So, um, and with Microsoft's current um, Azure standing up and the the out of the back of most of these Office 365 implementations, you see Express routes being dropped in to to Azure directly from the customers. They're, they are starting to to, to 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 dip their feet. Um, I even have a fascinating financial in Ireland here who who are so annoyed with their outsourcer that they're currently looking to burst the cloud to get rid of the outsourcer. So um, it's a it's a it's a funny and and fluid and moving environment at the moment. And yeah, I I, I think fifty percent is definitely optimistic, but I think twenty five percent is is achievable, to say the least. So uh, anyway, getting back to the partnership conversation uh, before Jerry and railroaded me into the last question. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, the big news out of uh, out of Synergy was the Citrix and Microsoft partnership. Um, it was massive news. Uh, everything from Zen Desktop to Zen App to to Azure Remote App to to Zen Mobile. I mean. Um, how do you feel about this? Uh, do, do you, I mean, just from a, even from a business strategic point of view, with Microsoft and Citrix, do you, do you see this as a as a lifeboat, or do you see this as a strategic investment from Citrix? Oh, I um, I think this is a big uh, wipe your brow and say "whew" moment for companies like FS Logix. I uh, I need Citrix to be viable for the next you know foreseeable future, and if that's the <laughs> protocol that's going to be up in azure and um it's zen desktop boy i got i got some tools for you that it's going to make it really easy for you it's going to be wonderful um you know microsoft has never had much wood behind the arrow as far as marketing dollars is concerned for um rds if you think about it you know it's part of the server group um we know our industry. Not a lot of people paid a lot of attention to it, um, it was because Citrix did it for them. You know, for every every Citrix license, you're you know selling terminal terminal server cal, right? So it was wonderful, and it, it made Citrix Microsoft Partner of the Year several times. But now you look forward, you look into the future, and you see the cloud, and you're going, well, um, how are we going to do this with Azure? Uh, I you know I need Citrix's help there. If I'm sitting there with Microsoft. And uh, based on everything else this new Microsoft has done, I'm, I'm expecting this to be a winner strategic move uh, for them. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good move for, for, for Citrix as well. I think it's a fantastic move for Citrix. Well, too, if you look at uh, one of the things here as well, you know, you know, yes, you know, every time we put any kind of add-on on top of RDSH, Microsoft wins. Um, the problem is, though, is that when you look at RDSH on-prem, you know, built into the server – and you look at Azure Remote App, they're two separate teams, two separate infrastructures. So, you know, maintaining both of those, somebody's going to have to give them those sooner or later, right? Um, kind of the same thing with, with, with VMware and um, Horizon Hybrid and, and Horizon On-Prem. And then you look at Citrix, right, with their whole Workspace Cloud. Basically, if they're rolling stuff to Workspace Cloud first, then On-Prem, so... Somebody's got to give there between having to maintain two separate different teams, two separate code bases. When Citrix can say, look, we do the same things in the cloud we do on-prem, you know, why not partner here? And then from the other side of it, when you look at the mobility side, it's like, you know, look at the latest numbers. Um, AirWatch is what, like 90% of the market or 80% of the market when it comes to mobility right now? 
and you saw like Citrix grew like um, I think like twenty five percent for the last year, and then Microsoft is, is pretty much getting even with uh, Citrix <clears throat> and Zen Mobile, and they grew two hundred fourteen percent. So you know, with the ease of use, or some the ease of use, but the ease of deployment of just saying, hey, if you're off of three sixty five, and you go in there and just say, I want to add you know a couple of users to start getting up in tune, you know, how can you compete with that? And I, I think with Citrix, you know, it, it's more of a strategic move. Um, especially on the mobility side, to be able to, to do that and say, look, you know, we'll, we'll partner with them from the apps, from the, the micro VPN, the sandboxing stuff, the NetScaler stuff. Um, and that way, you know, we're not competing with them. We're doing that same value add that we do, you know, we've done over years with RDSH. We're going to do that with mobility as well. So that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, well, it's going to be history. I, I agree with you. It's going to be history repeating itself, if you think about it. So the the desktop itself was just a natural monopoly, and Microsoft was the ones who um, dominated and turned the Wintel, you know, the uh, the processors into commodities and stuff like that. Um, you know, yes, we had our ditches with our Apple Macs, and, and we'll still always be a marketplace for them. But what if I am Citrix and I'm sitting there, I'm saying to myself, you know, um, I could have hooked myself up with several cloud providers, but I wouldn't do an exclusive with anyone. You know, if uh, if Amazon decides they they want to start hosting Citrix, um, uh, you know, assuming we can get rid of uh, Spla or update Spla, um, and I'll get your, I you know, I wasn't at Synergy, I was uh, rehabbing an ankle, but it, did any of that come up about Spla? Because if you can get rid of that, then Citrix could then sell to Rackspace. They could sell to Amazon, Google, who's ever cloud comes up. And then the customer really benefits because in the background, that's all commodity anyway at one point in time. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on those final details. I think this is going to be more geared towards the enterprise, not for the Spla stuff. But we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, but so I heard it was Zen Desktop, right? And so does that mean I'm going to be able to host Zen Desktop? Uh, Azure will be able to host Zen Desktop, and I can get a Zen Desktop in my enterprise, or am I still bringing my own licenses? Yeah, so that, that that's right there. So it's like, can a, can a, can a CSP or a, or a Splaw license person go out and do this, or is it strictly to you know customers with enterprise agreements type thing? So that's some of the finer details that still needs to be ironed out. Okay. I'd be, yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if Microsoft don't use this as a cue to change the licensing to open the whole thing up when they're ready. Um, I, I'd say, look, it's inevitable, as you pointed out, Kevin, it's inevitable that Microsoft needs to offer a service like this and who they partner with is, is down to them. But I think what will happen if, if I look into my own crystal ball is they will change the licensing when it suits them and open it up to everybody. So when they're ready to push the button, I think they'll 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 open up that licensing model and then everybody can have a go. That would be my take on it, anyway. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm 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 rooting for you because I, I I you know I don't have any feeling one way or the other, other than if Microsoft feels like they have an 18 month headway, that's when they'll do it. You know, when their stuff is all set and ready to go, and and you could start buying it, that's when they'll tell the other guys, um, yeah, go ahead and start building yours now if you want to, because we've changed the licensing. But I, otherwise, it's an antitrust thing, don't you think? Hey, you can buy it from Azure. You can get a desktop, but you can't do that anywhere else. So uh, eventually, they got, it's going to have to change. Yeah, and so we'll, just, we'll have to keep an eye on that one as, as the details progress. 
um, because I've already gotten a lot of questions about customers about the whole Intune the mobile thing. So you know, something we'll have to keep an eye on. Um, just a real quick question though. So uh, last time you were with us, you know, we talked about that you know outside of the IT question that we always ask everybody, and you talked about transactions with um, with Bitcoin that technology. Is that still the case, or has anything changed or been added to to that kind of discussion there? Um, so um, that blockchain technology is um, something that our co-founder Randy is very, very familiar with, and um, uh, I can see that becoming very, very important um, to have that third-party type verification of certain things. Imagine I'm an enterprise, and maybe I do own my own licenses, and I want to negotiate and figure we've got those licensing things details worked out, and I want to be able to negotiate with Microsoft for Azure and uh, with Amazon or Google Cloud or whatever, and I want to be able to have a definitive um, audit trail of all of that, that blockchain would come in really nice for that. So when that SAM partner comes and wants to do an audit, you're going to be able to tell them, yeah, I was over there, but I've since moved them and I brought them over here, and then I since moved them again and I brought them over there. If you can do some stuff like that, and if we see that technology taken on in the future, then that's when the customer really wins because they'll be bidding out the we'll, – we'll drive the cost down of these clouds about as far as they can go, and then we really get some efficiencies out of them. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, okay, uh, we're we're drastically over time. Uh, so, um, I, uh, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, it, uh, it was a real pleasure. Um, thank you for taking time, particularly during your recovery after your accident, to to t- talk to us. Um, before I close down, I just wanted to thank our sponsors: FS Logics, hooray, uh, Liquid Air Labs, and uh, Goliath Technologies for sponsoring us. You guys are awesome, and let us do what you want to do. And over to Sharon. Yeah, thank you to uh, to Kevin FS Logics for joining us today, and thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. For myself and Andrew Morgan, uh, we'll talk to you next time.